Buckeyes beat Notre Dame. Last minute comeback win. Loved everything about it. Let's talk to Zach Bourne. What's up, man? What's going on? How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, Buckeyes bye this week. After a big win like that, do you want to rest or do you want to get back at it? No, you know, it, it was a tough physical game. I know after that game, you, you, you look uh, you look across the board. You know, Marvin Harrison had an ankle injury. Kyle McCord was beat up a little bit. You know, Notre Dame's run offense is tough. And so you know that defense making those big plays late in the game and having to be on the field as much as they were beat up. No, it's a great time for a bye. You know, you, when you played, you always liked it, maybe middle to end of October. So you'd get – you know, six or seven weeks in, then get a buy and finish out with another, you know, five weeks or so. But, man, it, it, going on the road, winning the game like they did, it, it's a great time for a buy. Hey, not that you're a doctor or maybe you took a class in school, <laughs> but when you get your ankle rolled like Marvin Harrison did, and I think he's he was going on pure adrenaline, but when you get a roll and it looked nasty on TV, what? Uh, how long are you usually out after that? It totally all depends. You know, with the adrenaline pump in um, and things like that, you do, you don't really know the severity of it. Um, I guarantee you they learned a lot more about how bad it truly was yesterday. Um, and, you know, once kind of he sleeps on it, is off of it, you know, swelling kind of sets in. Um, they can diagnose what's going on. But, um, I, I mean, it all depends, right? It can be anywhere from – you know, two weeks to three to four weeks, right? It, it, it all depends from that standpoint. And in OSU fashion, we will find out nothing. Uh, correct. We yes. probably will not find out anything till the Maryland game. Hey, uh, talk a little bit about uh, your experience. You were the Kenny Guyton-Purdue drive, correct? Yes. The last second drive. When you're in a situation like that, who's taking control? What's going on? Just talk about uh, everything that goes into a final drive like that. Obviously, big difference between Notre Dame and Purdue, but still. Yeah, so I had a couple of drives like that. You know, Kenny Gunn against Purdue in my junior year, Braxton Miller against Wisconsin when he threw the Hail Mary to Devin Smith. So there were a couple of times uh, where we were in those situations and came out victorious. It's uh, To be honest, it, it's something you practice all the time uh you know in in spring football in fall camp uh even in practice during the week like you have two minute drill where you have certain calls you kind of have your bread and butter plays and you're just you're moving and and i know you know coach day does this now uh when i was there you know tress and urban did the same thing from the standpoint of hey they're changing things up you have one timeout and 58 seconds you've got you know, two timeouts in two minutes. So they change up the scenario all the time. So as an offense and as a unit, I mean, you practice it. You know exactly uh, what you have in front of you. You know exactly kind of what plays you're going to run. You know, hey, listen, we can have run plays or we only got passing plays in in this situation. So um, those guys have seen all those things many times before. They've repped it a million times. Um, it's just good to see them actually execute it and come out victorious. Zach Bourne's with us, uh, the Buckeye. Hey, talk about the uh, post game right when he walks off the field and he's getting interviewed by NBC. Ryan Day cutting a WWE promo. Man, I have never seen him that animated. I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, you know, I, I was talking to I was talking to some people about this yesterday. It's you know, uh, I, I know former players, I know myself, I know current players are always, um, 
defending Ryan Day. And, you know, so many people of Buckeye Nation have been outspoken about, you know, is he the right guy for the job after the, the past two years uh, with the Michigan game and then, you know, the way uh, the Georgia game ended and whatnot. That's the guy that we see behind closed doors. That's a guy that the team gets every single day at the Woody. Like, that's why so many people that actually know Ryan Day and the way that he is, the way he carries himself, the way how much he loves his team and, and loves this university, that's why we show so much support for that guy, and we know he's the right guy for the job. Finally, the rest of America and all of Buckeye Nation actually saw him, you know, kind of uh, put down his walls and, and show you exactly who he is behind closed doors in the locker room before games at the Woody during practice. Like, He's an intense dude that's competitive, that loves the people that are on his team. You know, he truly means that, is that he would do anything and defend anyone that's on his team. And um, I just think you, you saw him get to a point where he's just tired of all the BS that's out there. You know, there are so many uh, uh, quote-unquote storylines about him and this program, and they're just – they're not true. They're, they're, they're narratives that people try to create – and I think it was his time to uh, come out and let everyone know the, the, the true meaning of or, or the, his true feelings behind it and let everyone know, like, hey, listen, that's not, that's not true. We are who we are. We're a great freaking team. We're a tough program, and we're here to win big games. Uh, is it wrong of me that I texted Lou Holtz's address to Ryan after the game? No, you should have. You, you actually, you should have texted it to me. I would have done more than more than right. They would have. Hey, how long? And we're talking with Zach Bourne. How long is it? Because kudos to Kyle McCord for running, going downfield, making some good plays, and really getting it done under a lot of pressure. Being his first big game. How long does it take? For a because you could question some of the play calls there, especially the fourth and ones. But that's not on Kyle McCord. Yep. But when does a play caller? get to know his quarterback, where they're in sync and calling the correct plays, where they can re- – because you're not going to call the same plays for Justin Fields, for C.J. Stroud, for Kyle McCord, all the same. No, correct, you're not. Um, I think you finally saw it start to click on Saturday. You know, I, 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 after a game like that where you're on the road, top ten matchup, uh, you come back and win. I mean, this is kind of like a stepping stone for, for this team. You know, th- there's something that happens every single year um, within a team, and, and every year is different. But you need kind of that marquee win. You need something to happen that brings that team and that locker room closer together. Um, and, and so I think that this is it, right? And so it, it, that's across the board. It goes to the – offensive coaches play calling for Kyle McCord. This goes to, Hey, you know, fourth down, what can we call offensive line? Let's get, you know, let's get stronger together. That, that, that touchdown to end it where you get it in say, Hey, listen, we need one yard. What can we do? And we're going to run the football, especially when everyone's been talking about how negative, you know, Ohio state is in short yarded situations and how not physical the offensive line is. That's going to take them to the next step. That mentally puts in their head like, hey, we can finish this, and I guarantee you you're going to start seeing some changes in the way that Ohio State's converting. It's it's a mental thing, right? Everyone's been saying Ohio State cannot get short yardage situations. And so when they get that situation, it's like, oh, man, I'm trying to outthink it. Well, guess what? They ended the game by running down Notre Dame's throat, getting one yard. So that's going to springboard them 
through the rest of the year. And I think it's the same way across the board. The defense, look what they did, right? Everyone's talking about them not being able to get after the quarterback this year and uh, their run defense being soft. They kept a damn good running back for Notre Dame, uh, Audrey Estime, under 100 yards on Saturday. Like, damn good. So guess what? Now they're going to take that and build that confidence. So when they play Penn State, when they play Wisconsin, when they play Michigan, like they're going to feed off of what just happened this past Saturday, and it's only going to get better. I thought the defense played great, but at what point at Ohio State, and this will be the only kind of, and it's not even negative, it's just being truthful, I hope JTT and Sawyer get 10 sacks. I hope they both go to the NFL. But we, those two guys, are not getting the pass rush done this year. At what point do you start rotating? I mean, this is Ohio State. There's got to be hungry guys behind them. At what point do you start rotating and giving guys a different, uh, another shot? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see that. Um, uh, you know, this one I'll say, I, you know, both those guys played every snap on Saturday. Yes. And um, I thought, um, nothing is Jack, but I thought JTT played great. Well, I mean, he came he through made, at the end. I think he, 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 yeah. Yeah, he, he came through at the end and made some really good plays when they needed him most. And you saw it last year against Penn State. Like, JTT has stepped up. When they need a play, he makes it, right? Yeah. So, um, now, when you look at sack production, maybe they'll start looking at some different things. I'm not sure. Um, you know, JTT and Jack can both play the run really well, and it might be something where you see in passing situations they might rotate some other guys and at least not have JTT and Jack on the field at the same time because they're both kind of similar players, right? They're bigger guys. Uh, they're stout dudes. They play with power. Um, so what you might see is, you know, in a passing situation, instead of having two kind of bull rushers and more physical dudes on the field, they might take one of them off the field, put in a longer, more athletic guy like Kenyatta Jackson, like Caden Curry, kind of faster twitch dudes, and be able to go like, hey, we got power on one side and, you know, athletic twitchy on the other. So I miss um, John Batiste during that game. I was like, wow, he stepped it up. Yeah, 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 he he did. He didn't, I mean, uh, listen. Well, better than our guys. Listen, he would be number five or six. He would, that's why he left, yeah. Yeah, and I can confidently say that. Yeah. Hey, uh, last one for you, and you saw 85-year-old, I think he's older than Lou Holtz, Sam Hartman, very handsome. But uh, you've seen him transfer, and I I was watching a clip, and I don't know from when it was, because Dion clips are everywhere. But Dion was talking about how he only gave like four scholarships because he just, when people transfer to my school, I know what I get. So I don't even need to recruit anymore. I'm just going to cherry pick players from other teams. You got uh, Florida's got the Wisconsin quarterback. You have Sam Hartman at at Notre Dame. Is this going to be the trend in college football where you don't even recruit anymore? You're just going to take a guy. If I need a right guard, well, there's one really good. We can, And I'll take him for Virginia. Hey, there's someone from Virginia Tech who's a good defensive tackle. Is that the future of college football, just t- cherry-picking the best guys from lower-level schools and bringing them over? I mean, I, I don't know if that uh, – you know, I don't know if that's the future because you still need to get those guys to go into the portal. You know, it's uh, – there's – it is illegal to recruit a current kid that is not in the transfer portal away from their school. You now, got your fingers ha- crossed, now, right? Yeah. Hey, now, now it doesn't happen. <laughs> happens all the time, yeah. right? It happens all the time. Um, but that's kind of where, um, you know, you see some of the SEC schools. You see, you know, USC, people like that, where some of that shadiness is still kind of happening, right? So, yeah. um 
you know, I think at some point the NCAA will come down hard on a university or a team that's trying to recruit kids that are not in the transfer portal. But, you know, it, it'll still happen. They'll still find ways around it. But you still, once you're recruiting that kid, you still got to get that kid to leave, right? You still got to yeah. get that kid to come to your university. He might be in love with, you know, Virginia Tech. He might be in love with where, wherever he's at and truly love the coaching staff because at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot of money involved in college sports, but there still is a relationship that a player has with a coach, which is a big reason why they choose a college. And so, um, you, you know, I guess you could look around and, and try and cherry pick kids off of teams that fire their coaches at the end of the year, or if there's turmoil on the team, like a Michigan State, for example, uh, people like that. But who knows, man? It, it's interesting, the, the landscape of college football right now and where it goes from here. Oh, it's insane. Well, Zach, we appreciate it, man. We'll do it soon. Of course, man. Thanks for having me.